Hello and welcome to the Seattle Freakin' Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan, and this episode I will be recapping the offseason news, signings, and departures, as well as giving you a preview of the FIFA Club World Cup. Alright, let's get right to it. Alright, so first off, we're going to take a look at some of the key signings the Sounders made this season. I think the biggest one would be the Brazilian striker, Hebert, that they signed from New York City FC. They traded 400k in GAM total, it's 200k this season, 200k next season, as well as an additional 150k if performance incentives are met. The Brazilian striker scored 30 goals and 7 assists in 90 appearances for New York City in all competitions. He brings in a bit of a, a bit more depth after we lost Will Bruin, and he'll be a strike partner with Rui Diaz after it sounds like Schmetzer is very high on him and maybe wants to try and play them both at the same time. Additionally, in the 2023 MLS Super Draft, the Sounders drafted Ethor Bjorgolfsson, and correct me if that is wrong, uh, forward from Kentucky, as well as Blake Bowen, a midfielder slash defender from San Diego State. Additionally, there was new contracts to Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris, and Danny Leva. Christian Roldan and Jordan Morris signed extensions to 2027. It sounds like they are actually new contracts, not extensions. Uh, neither will have an option to be a DP. I know a lot of fans were worried about that, uh, but you know, no need to worry as Morris and Roldan will be here till 2027 without taking up a DP spot. Danny Leva's contract goes to 2026, and this helps the Sounders out in terms of possibly sending him out on loan. Uh, the Sounders were looking to get him to go on a loan-to-buy type of deal. Uh, the first team interested was Pumas, but at the same time, since his contract ended ended at the end of 2023 originally, it's hard to get a team to sign on to a loan-to-buy deal, especially when they could just take him out on loan and then sign him to a pre-contract, considering his loan would have been en- or his contract would have been ending towards the end of the loan, and then they could have just signed him then. So by extending Leva to 2026, it gives the Sounders a bit more flexibility in terms of sending him out on loan, and they get to retain his rights in the case that they do so. The most controversial signing uh, of the offseason was the new kit sponsor. Uh, they signed a 10-year deal with Providence, the hospital chain in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of the controversy comes from the fact that Providence doesn't seem to align with a lot of the club's values, and a lot of fans, uh, originally when the deal was made, there was a lot of outrage on social media. The Sounders have then made statements with the ECS, the Alliance Council, and another public statement stating that they still stand by their values and the sponsorship won't interfere. The sponsorship deal is for 10 years estimated to be around 100 million total uh, towards the beginning it'll be like closer to 8 or 9 million a year and at the end it'll be oh, about 10 maybe more than 10 million per year and then there are a little small a little bit smaller signings they promoted Soda Kitahara from the Defiance to the first team Kitahara made 44 appearances scoring a goal and two assists with Tacoma in two different stints he played with the club in 2019-2020 
He went out on loan in 2021, came back, and played a season in 2022, and he will be playing with the first team this season. When he went out on loan, he went out to FC Pinsgau Saalfelden, correct me if that's wrong, uh, the Austrian third-tier side. He made 17 appearances with them, did not score or get an assist. He did pick up a yellow card, however. Additionally, the Sounders signed Jacob Castro to a homegrown contract. The goalkeeper uh, played for the University of Washington. He did make four appearances with Tacoma previously, and I expect him to most likely be playing with the Defiance this season, as the Sounders already have three goalkeepers on the first-team roster and only one on the Defiance. So I would expect Castro to most likely play for the Defiance, or he'll be a backup on the first team and they'll drop maybe Andrew Thomas down to Tacoma. But I would expect Castro more likely to be dropped. Lastly, the Sounders re-signed club legend Freddie Montero to another one-year veteran minimum deal. Montero made 34 appearances in all competitions in 2022. He had 8 goals and 2 assists. That adds to his total of 76 goals for the club all time and he continues to look like he will keep adding more. Next, we're going to take a look at some of the key departures for the Sounders. Uh, there wasn't too many this season, or at least yet. A lot of it was more just contracts expiring. There was only one real transfer from the Sounders, so we're going to look at that. So first, Will Bruin left the club after spending the last five seasons with the Sounders. His contract expired. He's currently still a free agent. He has been rumored to be signing with Austin, but nothing has materialized yet, so he is still currently a free agent. Uh, if I was Austin, I would sign him and only just like really prepare for him to play against Houston, since for some reason he always knows how to score against his former club. Next, Alfonso Ocampo-Chavez left. His contract expired as well. He is actually currently signed with Austin. More than likely, he will probably play for Austin FC too. But you never know, he might get a first team appearance as well. Then we have Jimmy Madranda, whose contract expired after the 2022 season. He signed with Columbus Crew in the offseason. I know a lot of fans were upset about that, especially thinking back to his goal against Portland. A lot of fans wanted to see Madranda stay as he's been a versatile uh, depth piece and he can play both left or right wing back. He can do, sometimes he could play at winger. You never know. He was really versatile. So losing him is a, losing a good piece of depth and I know a lot of fans were upset about that. Next, we have Marlon Vargas. His contract expired after he uh, his contract ran out with the Tacoma Defiance. He signed with the Colorado Rapids too so he will most likely be playing still in MLS Next Pro. He'll most likely get an appearance against the Defiance this season, so there is something to watch out for there. I know a lot of fans were excited about Marlon Vargas because he showed a lot of promise with the Defiance, but it sounds like both clubs were equal in the decision to part ways. Lastly of the departures, we have Sam Adeniran. Lastly, we have Sam Adeniran, the striker that I know a lot of fans wanted to see get more first-team minutes. In the offseason after his loan from San Antonio ended, a lot of fans were expecting him to sign a first-team contract. Instead, he ended up transferring to St. Louis City FC, the brand-new expansion club, uh, for 100k in GAM and an additional 100k if his performance incentives are met. 
as well as a percentage of a future transfer fee. We don't actually know what the exact percentage is that was not disclosed, but if you were to transfer somewhere, the Sounders would get a percentage of that fee. So was the offseason a success? I would say partially. The Sounders did acquire depth in the striker position. They signed a bear who is an improvement on Will Bruin. Uh, Bruin had a pretty poor 2022 season. And if Hebert can stay healthy, he is definitely a very strong piece for the Sounders to have, especially when Rui Diaz, who missed about half of the season last year, if he can stay healthy, as well as Hebert staying healthy, the Sounders' attack will be in good hands. They also locked up Roldan and Morris for another few years without having to give up DP spots, and I know that is another thing that a lot of fans wanted to see happen was keeping them around, but also not keeping them to take up a DP spot. And they got both. Uh, so every fan that wanted that, you got what you wanted. Um, and Danny Leva is also here to stay, at least unless he goes out on loan. Then he won't really be here, but he is still with the team until 2026. So for the Sounders, it was a pretty quiet offseason uh, in terms of like making moves and seeing people go. But in the end... This team is still strong, especially after what they did in the CONCACAF Champions League last season. And if this team can stay healthy, they will definitely be a contender. Now it's time to talk about the Club World Cup. The Club World Cup, you may be wondering, how does it work? Uh, it'll be seven teams from the six international confederations. They'll be playing in a knockout tournament. Four teams will get at least one by. The two high-strength teams will technically get two buys and then two teams will be playing in the first round. The Sounders will be playing in the second round, so they will get a bye. Um, they qualified to this tournament by winning the CONCACAF Champions League, and they will be the first MLS team to ever play in the Club World Cup to represent CONCACAF. So, who are the other teams that are involved? The first team, and the favorite to win the best team in the tournament, hands down, is Real Madrid. They represent UEFA, and this is the Spanish team's sixth appearance at the Club World Cup. Joining them as the second highest ranked team is Flamengo, who represents South America. The Brazilian team is making just their second appearance in the Club World Cup, but they are definitely a strong team. The only team representing Asia is the Saudi Arabian club, Al-Halil. They'll be making their third Club World Cup appearance. The hosts and the first team from the African Confederation is Wydad AC or Wydad Casablanca. The Moroccan club is the host of the Club World Cup and they will be making their second appearance in the tournament. Auckland City or Auckland City FC if you want to be technical are the New Zealand team that represents the Oceania region. They are making their 10th Club World Cup appearance. Lastly, we have Al-Ali, the second team representing the African Confederation. The Egyptian club is making their eighth Club World Cup appearance. The Sounders will be playing the winner of Auckland City versus Al-Ali on February 4th at 9.30 a.m. Pacific. The game will be streamed on FS2 and FIFA Plus. Unless you're in the Seattle or Tacoma area, you will be able to watch it on Fox 13. Anywhere else, even in the state of Washington, it will have to be streamed on either FS2 or on FIFA Plus. And since the Sounders will be playing either Auckland City or Al-Ali, depending on who wins the opening match, I'm going to take a closer look between those two teams. 
They've won the Oceania Champions League a whopping 10 times. Uh, they once won it seven times in a row between 2011 and 2017. That is how they've qualified for the Club World Cup a whopping 10 times as well. Their best appearance came in the 2014 Club World Cup, which took place in Morocco. They finished third place in that tournament after beating Cruz Azul in the bronze medal game. Next, we have Al Ali, who is possibly one of the most successful clubs in all of sports history. The Egyptian team has won the Egyptian Premier League an incredible 42 times. They've also won the Egypt Cup 37 times and the Egyptian Super Cup 12 times. In total, in their 100-plus year history, they have won 116 domestic titles and 23 continental titles. This is a team that knows success. They know how to win tournaments, they know how to win leagues, they know what it's like to win. They've played in the Club World Cup 8 times in their history, finishing in third 3 times, 2006, 2020, and 2021. So not only do they have success in their history, they've had a recent success. By now, you probably will be knowing who the Sounders are playing. I personally don't. I am recording this on January 31st. So the games take place tomorrow. I believe Ali and Auckland are playing at 11 on February 1st. So if this is coming out after that game, you probably already know. I am not a time traveler, so as I'm recording this, I don't know who the Sounders will be playing yet. Out of these two teams, I think it's more likely that we will play all Ali. They are just they're just a better team. They have more money to spend on players. They know how to win. They have a very successful coach, and I think that Auckland will not be able to take them down. However, Auckland knows how to have an underdog run. They did it in 2014. They beat teams that nobody thought they would beat. Auckland is, though, a semi-pro team. They are not a full professional team. I believe on the transfer market, their total team value was around $4 million, so it's not a very like expensive team. But there are players from that club that are determined to win this tournament, and you cannot rule out an underdog run from a team like Auckland. However, if all Ali does win, that will probably be the toughest team for the Sounders to play. They are a very tough team. They are very strong. They are pretty comparable to the Sounders in terms of team value. I think the Sounders like total transfer value is only six or seven million higher. And that doesn't really equate to the player's total ability. It's just kind of how the transfer market sees them. And so that will be probably the best matchup the Sounders will see at this tournament. That'll probably be the best measuring stick for the Sounders to see how we stack up against international teams. Now, if the Sounders were able to win their game on February 4th, they would be moving on to the semifinals. And in the semifinals, they would play none other than Real Madrid. What an experience that would be. Could you imagine sitting down, getting ready to turn on your TV to watch a Sounders game, and you go, oh yeah, the Sounders are playing... Real Madrid. The Sounders are playing probably like the most successful team in Europe, one of the biggest clubs in the world. That is something that would be such a fun experience. We'd probably get stomped. It'd probably not be a very close game at all, but just to say we played Real Madrid in a competitive tournament in the semifinals, that is something that would just be really fun. So, 
to recap, the Sounders offseason was relatively quiet. They didn't really make all that many moves. They brought in a bear. They called up some young guys. They drafted some guys. In the end, they really kind of just changed out, you know, like for like subs, essentially. They let go of some people. They called up some people from the academy. They brought in a bear. And that is really all they did. But despite that, this team has a lot of quality to it. If they can play like they did in the CONCACAF Champions League, they will be a contender for the MLS Cup. And based off of how the season ended last year, I know that's kind of hard to see. I know that's a bold prediction because the Sounders ended really poorly last season. But in the end, this team, if they can play to their potential without being too injured by the end of the year, this is a team that can beat anyone in the MLS, anyone in Liga MX, and who knows, could this team beat Real Madrid? We may or may not find out soon. So thank you for listening to the first episode of the Seattle Freaking Sports Podcast. There will be more to come, one coming up probably in the next two weeks, I would say, where I'll be covering the MLS preview in it, previewing the Sounder season, probably recapping the CONCACAF, not the CONCACAF, recapping the Club World Cup, and giving you some bold predictions for the 2023 MLS season, giving my season predictions, you know, saying who I think is going to finish where, and some bold takes such as maybe who's going to win MVP, who's going to win the team MVP, um, and who will win MLS Cup. So I hope you're excited for that. I know I am, and I just want to say thank you for listening again. This is Ethan, and I'm signing out. Have a good one.